Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. What an incredible morning. You guys did a brilliant job with that new song. And uh, as Kath mentioned earlier, we are going to go back into that song. For all of you at home, we are definitely going to have another shot at that song because it's just such an absolute banger. It's a cracker. It's a great song. What's the, what's the, what's the, it's a what? It's, it's what? It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's, it's all of that. And God's hand and God's Spirit is all over. And that's the most important thing. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do something here, people. Is that all right? So uh, it's great to have you with us, as I've already mentioned. And, and what, a, what a year 2020 is. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And I don't know if you have seen some of the memes that are out there with the Back to the Future memes with Doc and Marty. And this is one I saw this morning, which I absolutely loved. And, and Doc's looking at Marty and he says, Marty, whatever you do, don't go back to 2020. I kind of feel it's a little bit like that kind of a year with bushfires, at the beginning of the year, I know some of you can't even think back that far, but with the bushfires, then we had the floods, then COVID-19, and now we've got the, uh, the riots that are taking place because of the peaceful protests, and, and uh, we, we need God like never before. I, I can't help but feel that what we are seeing is a little bit about what the Bible is talking about, that God is shaking all that can be shaken. And so while it's painful, and while we don't fully understand it, I do know this, that God is in control and He's here to help. And I want us as a church, along with other churches in this city and this nation across the globe, to stand strong in this time and to offer a hope to this hopeless and hurting world. We have answers, church. And uh, it's a real privilege to be with you this morning because we're starting a new series that I've simply entitled, The Right Fight. We did four weeks out of the book of Philippians. Now we're moving to a new series and I think it's a, it's a timely message in light of all that is going on in the world today called The Right Fight. Wherever you are at home, why don't you just repeat it after me? The Right Fight. Fantastic. By way of introduction this morning, uh, I'm reminded of a film that was released only a few years ago and it was called The Imitation Game. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's a great film, but it's based on a real life story about a team of British codebreakers in World War II. And they gathered crucial information. It was their job to decipher the information that they were receiving and break the code to gather crucial information that the enemy was uh, delivering. And uh, in order to do that, they were able to know the enemy's plans and his strategies. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible movie about that era and that time. As good as that movie was, the Bible tells us that we also have an enemy. And like those team of British code breakers, we need to know our enemy. We need to know his plans and his strategies. Because if we don't, we'll end up fighting the wrong fight. And I've got to be honest with the church, I do feel that for the most part, we end up fighting the wrong fight. We've got husbands fighting wives. We've got parents fighting children. We've got believers fighting believers. We've got churches fighting churches. And I believe the only person who wins in any of that is the enemy himself. He rubs his hands together as he smiles, knowing that we've taken the bait. And in order for us to know our enemy, we have to study our opponent. And I want to say this, we're not here to obsess over him. We're not here to worship the enemy. We're not here to study him, to the, but we are here to know him 
in order to know His plans and His strategies. Because when you know what He's done in the past, you know what He will do. And so the subtitle of my message today for part one is simply this, better the devil you know. Better the devil you know. And firstly, what I wanna say, I wanna address two extremes when it comes to the devil, Satan or the enemy. And the first one is this, that the devil is everywhere and in everything. There are some views out there that the devil's everywhere and he's in everything. Uh, And demons cause every problem in the world today. And I remember... In my teenage years, you know, uh, you, you were kind of shunned from watching the television because demons were in the television and, and you weren't allowed to listen to secular music because if you played your record backwards, then there was this demonic, there was this demonic message. That's, the, that's what we were kind of led to believe. And, and as a young man growing up, the, the question I always ask is, why would you want to play your record backwards? I bought my records to play forwards, but apparently if you played them backwards, there's this subliminal message. And, and so we grew up in that kind of era. And I think that's kind of, uh, there's some truth in that, but I think it became an extreme that became unhelpful. And the trouble is when you gobble that thinking or that extreme, you end up blaming the devil for everything and you don't take responsibility for anything. And so I'm not here to say that the devil's in everything and he's the problem of all that you face today. That's one extreme. The second extreme is that there's no devil at all in that he doesn't exist. And so the problems we have are chemical, you know, the preservatives and the allergies. And instead of saying the devil made me do it, we say the food made me do it. Some of us might say it's biological, that we were, we were born this way. Uh, we have chromosomal imbalances or it's generational. It's because I wasn't breastfed as a child or it's because I was breastfed as a child. I, I don't know whatever your issue is. And, and I don't mean to be disrespectful because I realise all these things can play a part in our behaviour. But the fact still remains that we have a spiritual enemy and he is very real. In actual fact, uh, it has been said that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And we need to know that we have an enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark age and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And so we're going to just... Uh, do a little bit of a case study on, on, on the devil. What do, so what do, what do we know about him? What does the Bible tell us about the devil? Well, well, firstly, we know that the devil wasn't always the devil. He was an archangel. He, he was Lucifer. He went by the name of Lucifer. Uh, he was created by God uh, and he was in charge of the worship in heaven. And doing that for a period of time, he grew tired of giving glory to God And he wanted the glory for himself. In other words, he had throne issues and he tried his best to kick God off the throne. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, it says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. This was the response of Lucifer. He wanted to be like God and he had five evil rebellious thoughts. You'll see in that passage of Scripture, five times Lucifer said, I will, I will, I will, I will. Which is in stark contrast to Jesus when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane when He said, not my will, but God's be done. 
The devil said, I will, my will be done. Jesus said, His will be done. The devil said, I will be king, I will be Lord, I will be master, I will be boss, I will be pastor, I will be God. In other words, I wanna be in charge. And as a result, he was cast out of heaven. And one third of the angels followed Lucifer. And they are what we know as demons today. And can I just say this, that hell was never created for humans. Hell was created for the devil and his followers. And as a result of this decision, there's been a battle ever since. And it's been a battle for the throne. You see, what the devil couldn't do in heaven, he seeks to do now here on earth. We see that in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, the first two human beings on the earth. We see that Satan appears in the garden as a serpent and he entices them to eat from the fruit or to eat from the tree that God said, do not eat from. God had given them a lot of scope. You can have anything you want in the garden, but not the fruit from this tree. And isn't it interesting about human nature that we always want what we can't have. We always want what we shouldn't touch. Have you ever seen a wet paint sign? There's something that rises on the inside of us. Uh, Let's be honest, we don't wake up thinking, I wanna touch wet paint today. But when we see a wet paint sign, something on the inside of us just grips us. And and we just wanna know if it's wet. And we wanna know if it's wet, how wet is it? It's just human nature. And that goes way back to the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve were told not to eat from a certain tree and the enemy entices them to eat. He says, when you eat from this tree, you'll become like God. In other words, he was saying, Adam, you're the man. Adam, you can do this on your own. When you eat from this tree, your eyes will be opened. And he seeks to dethrone God in your life and put you on the throne just like he did with Adam. This is the strategy that the enemy uses to get you out of God's will. And then we read that they looked at the fruit and they saw that the fruit was good. And this is how the enemy appears to us in our thoughts and our feelings. It sounds good. You'll be like, God, that sounds good. And the fruit looked good. It appears to us in these ways. And these are the These are the ways and these are the strategies that the enemy wants to um, dethrone God in our life. And so what did they do? They took the fruit and they ate the fruit and they walked into the trap of the enemy. And as a result, they lost everything, which is indeed the strategy of the enemy. And that is to kill, to steal, and to destroy every good thing and every God thing in our lives. Adam and Eve that day quite literally ate themselves out of house and home. They were kicked out of the garden and they had to start all over. See, the enemy wants to operate in the realm of reason, whereas God operates in the realm of revelation. God comes with, hey, this sounds like a good idea. This sounds like a good thing. But God operates out of revelation. And you can't reason your way out of a demonic attack. When you're under the pump, you need more than just reason. You need revelation. You need the power of God at work in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says it this way, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. And Paul was very intellectual. 
And he was a great communicator, but he goes on to say, but it was through a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It's not enough for us just to know something. It's not enough for us just to articulate something. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives if we are to take the enemy on and win the battle that comes our way. Otherwise, what's gonna happen when we get in the realm of reason, we're gonna start reasoning with the wrong things and the wrong people and start fighting the wrong things and the wrong people. And I'm convinced that there are many people who are now divorced and there are many families that are separated and many situations that take place because the enemy's been working behind the scenes and we just weren't uh, aware enough of his schemes and we fell for the trap, we fell for the bait. And so this morning, I wanna look at an example of Paul's life when he was in Ephesus and we can read it in the book of Acts chapter 16. The book of Acts was written by Luke, an eyewitness of the accounts of all the things that the early church did. And he wrote this incredible book called the book of Acts, all the things that the church did. And we're gonna pick up a story in Acts chapter 16, reading from verse 16. And it was talking of Paul and Silas and they were on their, uh, on their way to a place of prayer. And it's there that they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, get this, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many, I'm gonna add many days. Paul having become greatly annoyed, understatement, turned and said to the Spirit, isn't that interesting, to the Spirit, not the woman, he understood the, uh, the spiritual battle that was taking place here. He says, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her and it came out of her that very hour. There's so much in this passage of Scripture, but uh, the, 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 the piece I wanna point you to right now is where it says the spirit of divination was on this girl's life. That word divination uh, is simply a Greek word uh, that means python. It's puthon, which means python. And when you think about what a python does, it wraps itself around its prey and squeezes the life out of it, squeezes the breath out of it until there is no life. And we see in the very beginning of time, it was God that breathed His life into Adam. And it's this life that God breathed into Adam's life that God wants, uh, that the devil wants to take out of you. What God put into you, the enemy wants to take out of you. And this life of God that's in us, the enemy wants to squeeze that life out of you. Have you ever felt like you can't breathe? Have you ever felt like when you're under attack and you're facing problems and, and the walls feel like they're caving and you feel like you just can't breathe? Well, the answer is that we need the Spirit of God in our lives. If we don't have the Spirit of God, we're left with nothing more than our own strength. And as strong as you may be, it's not enough. We're left with our own wisdom and with your own wisdom, it's not enough. And we're left to our own power and our own devices and those things alone are not enough. And so I believe there's some things we can learn from this account this morning. And the first thing we see from this story is the reaction of Satan. Let's go back to what Paul and Silas were doing. It says they were on their way to what? To pray. They were going to pray. This is what that tells me, that the devil hates it when we pray. The devil hates it when you and I pray. 
He wants to choke the life and He wants to choke the prayer life out of you. This is how I see it. When we read the Word of God, it's like breathing in. We take in the Word of God. But have you ever noticed when you breathe, you can't just breathe in. If you just breathe in, you're not going to live very long. Now, we also need to breathe out. And I think prayer is part of breathing out. The Word of God, we breathe in and prayer is when we breathe out. And there's this beautiful thing that takes place when we read the Word of God and get the Word of God into us and we pray and we give Him thanks and we give Him prayer and we give Him honour and glory. That's why the devil hates it when we pray. Not only does he hate it when we pray, you'll notice that Paul and Silas went to Ephesus and this was the very first time they went to Ephesus. You see, the devil wants to stop you growing. He wants to stop you expanding. He wants to stop you going to new places, meeting new people and preaching the good news. He wants to stop your growth. He wants to stop your maturity. He wants to stop you giving. You know, we're always going to have reasons of why we shouldn't give. In COVID, I I can't afford to give. That's the realm of reason. But God is wanting us to live by revelation, say, you know what? It's not about affording. It's about honour. It's about uh, making a difference here on earth. It's about helping the church. It's about helping people. And so we don't live in the realm of reason. You'll never, ever overcome the enemy in the realm of reason, but only through revelation. I thank God that I've been able to come to church since my teenage years and give financially to God and serve God since my teenage years. Have I always felt like it? No. Have I always had the money to do it? No. But I've always done it. Why? Because I live by revelation because God is worthy of my time. God is worthy of my finance. And we choose not to live in the realm of reason. So if you find yourself at home today, slipping into the realm of reason, I pray today's message would shake you out of that and we'd live by revelation again today. Because it's a strategy and it's a plan of the enemy to keep you small, to keep you confined, to keep you where you are. That's a strategy of the enemy. But then we see, secondly, the response of the saints. We see that Paul and Silas were arrested. They were beaten. They were imprisoned and they were chained. This is the ultimate in isolation. We've experienced a little bit of isolation, but we still had the comfort of our own homes. We were still able to get in our car and go for a drive. Paul and Silas were in jail. They were beaten, they were bleeding, they were sore, they were bloodied and they were in chains. This was not a pleasant situation for them. If anyone in their life had a moment to say, why God? Why me? What's going on? It would be Paul and Silas. But let's read their response. And we can read that in Acts 16, verse 25. And it says this, it was about midnight that Paul and Silas were whinging and complaining. Now I know, even if you don't have a Bible, the the words are on the screen right now. And you know it doesn't say that. You know it doesn't say that. It says, no, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I find this fascinating that they weren't whinging. They weren't complaining. They weren't saying, woe is me. They weren't saying, why God? They were singing praises to God. They were singing hymns and psalms and songs to God. And it was at midnight and midnight represents the darkest part of the day. And I really do believe church, we've got to learn how to praise God, not just in the good times. 
But we've got to learn how to praise God in our midnight times. We've got to learn to praise God in our dark days, not just our good days. That's what the Bible is teaching us here in this moment, that we can sing and praise God. And we're going to do that in just a little while. We're going to sing praises to God. And I believe when we sing praises to God, just like Paul and Silas experienced, we're going to experience the same thing, that the grip of the enemy is going to be loosened in Jesus' Name. That that uh, breathlessness that we've been feeling, we're going to breathe again. Why? Because praise changes atmospheres. Prayer changes atmospheres and praise changes atmospheres. We see many times in the Bible, this is uh, true. We see with King Saul, this evil spirit would come and torment him. And he would call for this young man, David, who was later to become king of Israel. And David was a great warrior. David was a great shepherd. David was a great musician. And he would come and play his harp. You like that? I don't play the harp, but if I did, that's how I'd play it. And it says, when David would play the harp, the evil spirit that was tormenting King Saul would leave. And I believe when we truly praise God, those demonic influences... That, that, that breathlessness leaves and the Spirit of God comes into the equation again. And I'm believing for that for you today. And thirdly, we see the result of the Spirit. Now I love this. I love this. In Acts chapter 16, verse 26, we read that suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Isn't that awesome? Prisoners were set free. And it wasn't just Paul and Silas, but it was all the prisoners. This is, this is the nature of God. He's a generous God. And when He pours out His blessing, He pours out His blessing to all. And it wasn't just Paul and it wasn't just Silas, but it was all the prisoners. The chains came off. The prison doors flew open. And I believe today that that can be true for you. You might not be in a, in a, in a, a physical cell, but you may feel imprisoned because of your circumstance and your situation that you're facing. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, 2020 with COVID and the fires and the floods and the riots, what is going on? And you feel suffocated. Well, I want you to know there's a God who loves you and He wants the best for you and your best days are ahead of you. And do not believe the lie of the enemy that you're no good. Do not believe the eye of the enemy that it's all over, but believe with all your heart that the best is yet to come. Because what that enemy wants to do for you is cause you to self-destruct. We see that right throughout Scripture. In the Gospels, many times it's recorded that demons come into people's situation and into people's lives to bring them harm. In Mark chapter 5, we read of a man who was cutting himself with stones. That's not the Spirit of God. That, that's a demonic influence. That's a demonic tormented soul that would cut themselves. And there's a lot of people. I, I love our young people. I love young people. I'm getting older, but I love young people. Hanging around young people keeps me young. I love young people. But it saddens me today that so many are out there with no hope and they find themselves cutting themselves. I want you to know this is not new. We read this in the Bible. And it's the enemy at work wanting to, you to self-destruct, wanting you to take your life. But there's hope today because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. In Matthew 17, we see a man who would throw himself into the fire. That is not God. That is not God. 
That's a demonically inspired action to destroy a young man in the prime of his life, throwing himself in a fire. And Jesus came and set this young man free. In Matthew 27, we read of Judas, who was one of the 12 apostles who betrayed Jesus and he couldn't live with what he had done. And I believe under demonically inspired influence, he went and hanged himself. He took his life. He could have, like Peter, actually come to Jesus and actually found forgiveness. But the demonic oppression, the demonic influence became so strong that He took His life. The devil wants to harm you. He wants you to self-destruct. But Jesus came that you might have life and have life to the full. There is hope for you today, no matter what it is that you're facing. Hey, I'm mindful as I talk like this, that not all addictions mean that you're a demon possessed. Please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. You you need to hear this. I'm not saying because you're struggling that you are demon possessed. But I do believe that there are demonic influences feeding negative thoughts. And so whether you're possessed, oppressed, suppressed, depressed, hard pressed, you can be set free. You can be set free because of Jesus today. The enemy wants to squeeze you. He wants to squeeze the breath of life out of you. But I believe that grip can be loosened in Jesus' mighty Name, in Jesus' Name. And I believe as we begin to see this take place, we're gonna see families stronger. We're gonna see churches become stronger. I believe we're gonna see the breath of God enter your life and fill you again. As I conclude this message this morning, I want us to do something. I've created time in the meeting so we can respond to this message because it's so powerful. Oh, I wish we was all together right now. I really do. I wish we was all together, but we can't be, at least not this week. Maybe next week, maybe the week after, who knows? But right now, I believe something can still happen that can be very, very powerful. And if you're gathered together with some family and friends in your homes, I want you to do something right now. And, And that is place your hand on that person's shoulder that's in the room with you. And if you are home alone, then just personalise what we're about to do and make it personal for you. Because I wanna, I wanna make some statements that I'd love for you to repeat. And as I do that, we're gonna go back into this song and we're gonna see dry bones live again. No matter how dry you feel, no matter how over it you feel, no matter how exhausted you feel, I'm believing the breath of God can come to your home right now. And I believe there's power in our testimony. There's power in our confession. And I want you to add your faith. I don't want you just to word, uh, uh, share this. I want you to add faith to what it is that we're about to do. I want you to add faith to this statement today. And I believe the freedom of God is gonna come into our life and into our world afresh tonight. So wherever you may be, place your hand on the person next to you. If you're by yourself, why don't you just repeat these words after me? I'm going I'm to talk about it in the plural, but you make it singular for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to repeat this? Are you ready to repeat this? Yeah, those in the auditorium, are you ready to repeat this? Okay, let's do this. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your mind. He will keep you in perfect peace because your mind is stayed on Him. Over your body, He is the Lord that heals you. I speak health, long life, 
and healing to your body. In the Name of Jesus, I plead the blood over your future and your family. Satan has desired to sift you through the trials that you've been through. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I plead the blood. Your faith will not fail. It will stand. You will be blessed and favour will be yours. It will be seen. The goodness of God will be on display in such a manner that people will see that God has rewarded you because you're His child. His favour, His will is gonna be done in your life and no weapon formed against you is gonna prosper or stop you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 